Hello, my praying people. You are listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast, and I'm Leanne McCoy, your host. On this podcast, we're going to unpack the mystery of prayer. Along the way, your faith will be strengthened and your relationship with Christ will be taken to new levels. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as believers, but far too few of us know where to even begin in exercising and using this powerful tool. Let's take this journey together and experience what happens when we pray. I am so excited to be here today with my good friend, Chris Adams, who for many years was the women's ministry specialist at LifeWay Christian, ooh, Christian Resources at LifeWay Christian Resources. And Chris and I go back more years than we can probably keep up with as um, our ministry segued with each other when she invited me to be a part of a really neat team of women who got to travel with her and go and lead conferences across the nation. And um, then I'm even, well, I am delighted to be with Chris and just as delighted to meet her daughter, Alicia, who um, has been, I feel like, as an old friend of mine, even though I'm laying eyes on her for the first time today as we're um, talking via Zoom to make this podcast recording. But Alicia is Chris's daughter. And um, because of that, because we moms love to talk about our girls, we have um, been able to share a lot. And Alicia is the mother of many, is how we have... um, described her in the way to introduce her to you. And that is both children and many, many of God's creatures, large and small. In fact, Alicia works at a wildlife rescue center as an animal life specialist and just gave me great tips on how to deal with foxes that may or may not be living at my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. So Alicia... It is a delight to have you here with me today, and Chris, you as well. Thank you. So I want to begin. Thank you. I want to begin by just asking y'all to tell your story. And Alicia, I'm going to let you jump in there first because we're focusing really this month of podcast. We're going to focus on just stories um, that moms and daughters have, and more specifically, stories that have um, had a prayer journey connected to them. So Alicia, would you just jump in and share with us a little bit about your story? And then we're going to get to hear Chris's um, telling of that story as it became hers as well. Okay. Well, I think with the introduction part, that's kind of where I'm going to start my story by saying I'm Chris's daughter is a testimony to healing on its own. And then saying I'm a mother of many is also that way because it shows that I have relationships that I've connected to. So my story actually began when I was an infant and um, my biological mother just got to the point that she just didn't want a mother anymore. And so my twin sister and I were taken from her and it was at a young age and I you know, I've had a lot of psychiatrists and counselors through the years say, but, you know, that was before you could remember things. And one thing I like to point out is we tell pregnant women to play music to their bellies to help their children and, you know, or read stories and make sure they hear your voice. And that's because, you know, our, our soul is alive the moment that we're conceived. Mm 
And so every interaction, every connection starts forming pathways in our brains and and who we are as we form. So, you know, fast forward through my childhood, I I couldn't connect with either of my parents. I had just this overwhelming feeling of I wasn't good enough. They would leave me one day. They would abandon me. And so in that wonderful human condition where we kind of form what our future is going to look like and sabotage it, I began pushing everyone away. It's easier for me to destroy the relationship than to accept being abandoned for who I really was. So um, my parents at that time, um, they kind of respected that boundary. Um, It felt like they liked me, but maybe they didn't love me. So there was a you know, a, a disconnect with my heart and my mind as what a daughter was supposed to be. Cause in my mind, daughters get left. So in that self-fulfilling prophecy, as a teenager, I began running away from home. Um, they would open the door and let me back in. But after some time, it just, it went to the point that, um, I went to a group home for a while, thus showing me that, you know, I, I wasn't, good in the family. Mm-hmm. And um, after I got out of that and became an adult, there was this this man I met who wouldn't leave me alone. Um, no matter how far I pushed, wouldn't leave me alone. And so I thought, oh, oh I'm finally accepted. Well, um, turns out that's also a red flag of an abusive relationship. And so for eight years, because of his hold and insistence that I couldn't be with my family. I was completely away from the home. So by this point, I had, you know, 19 years with them, but not with them because my heart and soul wasn't there. And then eight years of being physically gone where they didn't even know where I was or if I was alive. Wow. Um, the abuse was pretty intense and we finally had a child after my daughter turned a year old and I had actually bonded with her, I could remember, you know, that I had always wanted to be accepted and loved. And, and for some reason it kind of drove my heart back towards my family and wanting my daughter to have more than just me. And so I initiated contact back with my mom at that point or my family and began to begin to get out of that prodigal and come back home. Wow. And mom, I'll let now, you take over from your side. <laughs> during that time, did were you out of touch with your sister as well? During those eight years, were you out of touch with yes. everybody? Okay. Wow. Everybody. Yeah. He was, him and his mother and father were the only people I really saw. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, Chris, share with us. Wow. <laughs> That's quite... Uh, that is quite a story, especially this eight years of time with not even knowing where Alicia was. Goodness. Yeah. Well, our story goes back to uh, being married and dealing with wanting to start a family. And of course, you know, you try it the way most families try, you know, you, and when that doesn't happen and you're dealing with infertility, you know, our thought was that doesn't matter to us. We are happy with children, whatever. 
and we began the adoption process. And uh, after a, a, another long waiting period of trying to adopt, because it was very difficult to, to adopt at that during the 70s, uh, there just weren't many babies. And we, we really wanted a baby, at least under a year old. That was all we said. And so we got a call for twins that were 10 and a half months old, and we were ecstatic. Back then, we did not know anything about what, what Alicia shared, newborn bonding, uh, in the womb bonding. Th those things were never discussed, talked about, nobody had a clue. All we thought is we have got these babies now and uh, we will now have this perfect family and we'll love them no matter what they, they spent about five months in their biological home. And it, it was not, it wasn't a good thing. So, but we thought it doesn't matter. They had a great foster home for a few months. They've got great parents who love the Lord and love each other. What could possibly go wrong? That was my ideal world. I grew up to be a wife and a mom. That was my career path, my plan. And so now we, we could do this thing. So that lets you know how I went into parenting, not having any clue whatsoever that there could be any issues from what happened biologically in their home. So when she was in middle school, I mean, we'd done a few little issues and she just wasn't as affectionate, but that was okay. Not everybody's affect. You know, we just, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know how much of this, we'd never had kids before. Is this normal? Not normal. How much of this is normal for kids? And so when she was in middle school, we began to just notice some things that, that concerned us that seemed to be outside of that normal. So we began trying to get help and those kinds of things. And then of course, as she shared, uh, the running away began. We didn't, we had no clue. We just had no clue what to do. We began to be very concerned really for her safety and her life. And uh, which was one of the, the last ditch efforts for us. When she was in high school was uh, this amazing group home out in the middle of, of the country with horses and all the things that she loves mm -hmm. that we thought, if we don't try it, we will always wonder what if we had, would that have made a difference? And so we, we did that uh, for about a year and a half and it was the hardest thing we've ever done. Uh, and of course, hearing her perspective of that now and knowing what she was, we had no clue what she just shared about how she was dealing with this, right. no clue. She, she couldn't tell us. Mm -hmm. um, and so just thinking back and um, who knew? Right. Sorry, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we don't know what each other's gonna say. So. Right. It does bring back this amazing story of God, even though it's a little um, yeah. emotional in the midst of it. So forgive me to your audience listening, but um, we just had no clue how she saw what we were doing. We thought we were doing what was best. And so that is, is brings us into just her, her then eventually at 18, leaving home for eight years and, uh, or maybe 19 at that point. Um, and not having a clue where she was, she ran and we had always hunted her down and brought her back. And, you know, when she was 19 and we just couldn't do that anymore. We, we had to just allow her to go. Oh. Wow. So wow. I can't even imagine like, and it's so interesting. I'm just gonna make an observation to be the person, um, 
you know, listening to your story for the first time, hearing both, you know, both sides of it, how y'all were so missing each other, you know, and not even knowing it because you guys as parents were doing, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like I totally see how you were trying to do this and, and do that. And then Alicia, it totally makes sense what was going on in your mind at the same time and then how it was just a, a total miss. So um, Chris, you tell us how you dealt with Alicia being gone, like spiritually, how did that, you know, tell me about how you were talking to God during this time after you've already lived a, a, a difficult several years as a teenager with her and now she's gone and, you know, days turn into weeks, turn into months. Talk to me about how that was going between you and between you and God. Well, I can't, I can't start without sharing with you the mentor in my life when the girls were preschoolers who had two daughters who were adopted, who was dealing with one who was really struggling in so many ways and who I watched navigate this mm -hmm. and kept saying, how do you do this? How are you doing this? And I just thought I could never do this. I could never do that. Well, now my girls were preschoolers, so you got to understand right. I was in a whole different world then. But I watched her year after year after year, dealing with it in faith, ministering to other women, walking with God, trusting him no matter what. So that gave me a foundation. Uh, I love the Lord. I was in the word. I was leading women at that time. But I had this person who I watched do this in faith in a way that I just couldn't figure out how you can possibly do that. But when we began this journey and it got worse, and especially during the time she left for eight years, I would call her ever so often and just say, again, Delight, tell me how you did it. Tell me how you've done this. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, she is probably, I, in fact, I send, I'm sending her a, mother, a Mother's Day card on Mother's Day because of that is what she means to me to this day. Mm -hmm. And she continues to walk that journey. Let me tell you, it hasn't changed. And this wow. has been 45 years that we've known each other probably now or somewhere close to that. All that to say, I said, Lord, if you can do that for her, you can do that for me. And if in the midst of it, I can minister to women like she has to me, that will give me some kind of outlet mm -hmm. to use that. Mm -hmm. Was there crying, cr crying out to God? Yes. Was there anger at God? You better believe it. I didn't understand how he could do this in our lives and allow us. We, we had surrendered to ministry. We'd done all the things we thought we were supposed to do. You know how your world is back then, but right. we just couldn't understand it. But he was always able to move me to, but God, hmm. you know where she is. You love her more than I do. I am praying, and we never stopped praying for her in that time and praying for ourselves in that time that wherever she was, God would put people in her life who would direct her to him and to us. Yeah. That was the prayer day after day after day after day. We didn't know if she was dead or alive a lot of that time. And so we just, we just had to walk with the Lord and know that he knew where she was. Um, was it easy? No, not in a hundred million years. Uh, the Lord had already placed me at Lifeway when she left for eight years. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, really, God, what do you think I can do <laughs> to mm -hmm. offer women hope if you don't come and just do something? Cause there's, there's no way. 
uh, that we can, we can navigate this if you don't do something that we can't do. And, and he did, he did. He showed us who he was. He caused us to go to a place of desperation with him we had never been before. Uh, sure, there'd been trials and issues and other losses in our lives, but nothing like this. But it, it took us to a place in our walk with the Lord that is, it became so sweet because it was so desperate. Mm. And he never, ever, ever failed us. Uh, doesn't mean he took away the pain. He didn't. But he gave us hope in the midst of the pain. And he, he showed us who he was in ways that, you know, you know what that is to go through desperation that takes you to a new level of, of faith. And that was the journey. Um, that's a journey life is continuing to today. So, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a, a huge uh, part of what happened during that time that how can you doubt God when you see the good that he does in the middle of the pain and not knowing how it would end. Mm. You're making me think about the two different stories we have of Jesus on a boat in the Sea of Galilee and how one time he literally spoke the words and calmed the storm and made it completely peace be still, you know, and immediately the storm was over. But then at another time, mm -hmm. he was asleep while the storm was raging. And of course, he did peacefully, you know, calm the waves, but they were in the storm mm -hmm. and he was in the storm with them. And so yeah. that's what you're making me think about how exactly what it felt calm it immediately. And then a lot of times it feels like he's just going to go with us mm -hmm. in the storm. And I hear yeah. you talking about those depths of understanding him and ourselves that we only get when we go to those desperate places. Yeah. That's Can I share one more practical thing that might help yeah. someone in a situation like that too, that, that I had to do, I had to grieve the loss mm. um, because when, when someone dies, you know, that's part of it. You know, that is something, but when someone's gone, it's a whole different thing. And I actually worked through a study uh, about grieving loss that helped me grieve the loss of a dream um, and even a relationship for now um, that helped me take the next step. And, and I, if someone's in the middle of something like that, I mean, it, you don't want to do that, but yet it's to keep your sanity, you almost have to figure out how do I live with what we are have right now right and that that was a practical thing that I could latch on to um, in the midst of it so yeah do you remember the name of that study I do I will never forget it it's called recovering from the losses of life and I don't know if it's still available or not okay. uh, but you know on eBay or somewhere you can always right. get something uh, but it, it really was and it was about all kinds of losses the loss of a job the loss of a relationship the loss of a loved one you know it could, it, it's really any kind of a loss I love that because too many times especially when we're talking about prayer we want to be good when we show up to pray and we want to pray good and we want to be so full of faith and we want to trust God for the things we don't see. And sometimes it just stinks and our heart knows it does deep down and God actually knows that it does deep down. And I've had some of my best times of praying when I quit trying to be good and quit trying to be the teacher of prayer and instead just let God say, I want you to come over here where it's really stinking. And I just want 
you to let that out. And it's almost, it's like what you're talking about, grieving the loss, or, you know, they call these the prayers of lament, where you just mm-hmm. tell God how bad it is. And I think the Lord is inviting us into that place, because in that place, he can bring healing, Amen. and then he can work with us there. But anything we gloss over and try to ignore, which Alicia, we're going to get back to you and how the Lord's work in your life during that season but you know you actually shared it and you know this from the perspective you are now but all of that was a loss in your life that you uh, as obviously as a child didn't even have the the tools to deal with it but it all was rooted in a place that wasn't pretty and that was hard and I do believe that God invites us to stop trying to show up and be good and just show up and be and then let him, you know, move us through those very real places in our lives. So, um, Alicia, share with us how, you know, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey and, and who God was to you as a child and kind of how he made himself um, more real and more obvious to you as you, as you grew through this very difficult um, journey that you went through. Okay. Well, I grew up in church with very spiritual parents. And so in church, all I ever heard was God is our father. Um, he's, you know, a, a dad. And well, I didn't believe in parents because parents leave you. So asking me to trust in God as a father, I couldn't do it. Um, I faked it. You know, I, I went and I got dunked and I went to every church camp until I learned that I could run away from them. Mm. But, you know, I couldn't, there's no way that I'm going to trust or have faith in a father. Fathers leave Mm. Um, and they leave you and never come back for you. And um, so he wasn't a part of my life. I knew the stories Um, during church. I would read the Bible and I was fascinated by all the stories, you know, from a story perspective, I love writing. So I read everything and, and in that, I didn't believe as God is my father, but every little piece of every little story planted a seed and it was going to take a while to bloom because, you know, sometimes we have ivy and sometimes we have cactuses, (laughs) the way it is. And so um, once I, you know, I'd completely left the house and gone to the group home. Um, faith was something that they talked about, but, you know, it wasn't as spiritual as my house. And then once I got married, there was no church, no God, no influence, no mentor, no, no nothing. And I believe that it was one of the seeds starting to sprout when my daughter was born And it humbled me because during my whole pregnancy, I thought, you know, this child is going to reject me or I'm going to pay for my sins, you know, with this daughter or something. And I didn't. She was perfect and she loved me and I could set her down and she could cry and I could pick her up and she'd be happy. And that was a relationship that I never understood. So that's what made me want to reach out to family because all of a sudden I kind of felt maybe this was what family was, Mm. but I had to be guarded because my husband at the time still 
didn't want me with my family and I, I, I paid dearly for my first contact with them. Wow. Um, but I was able to keep them in my life, but at a very safe distance until my third daughter um, was about a little over a year old. Um, it, it had finally gotten to the point that the abuse had gotten turned to the children as well. And I was a real parent. I, I was willing to die for him if I had to, so I left. Mm -hmm. And he pursued, but it didn't win. And I kept them safe. And when he found out that he wasn't going to get his way anymore, he decided to punish me, in his words, one last time by taking his own life. Oh, my goodness. So when that happened... I didn't have a job. He had not only spent all of our money, but had racked up debts I could never pay. And one night I just, I broke. Um, all, all the abandonment came to me in one night. Um, not even a bad man would stay around. And so I challenged God. I, and I don't recommend this for everybody because um, sometimes he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I told him, I said, I, I need you like I've never needed you. And if you don't show up, I'm going to make sure everybody knows you, you don't exist mm -hmm. because I have so many needs right now that I don't even see a way of taking care of them. Mm -hmm. And like the prodigal who comes back to the father with nothing on but rags and no gifts and no excuses for his life and everything else. God opened up his arms and said, here, take my ring. I've got you something planned. And every single prayer request that I had at that moment was answered within a week. Wow. I had a way to provide for my children. Doors opened for me that I didn't even know were there. My relationship began to deepen with my parents. And finally, I guess you would say the cactus bloomed. Yeah. God showed me in that moment what a father really was. Yeah. And then I was able to look at my parents and see that that's what they were. I just, I'd been blinded by my own hurt. And then the devil made sure I stayed there. Yeah, right. Wow. So now he's he's my dad my parents are my parents and i'm a mom and <laughs> i love it i love it and what's so beautiful about seeing goodness the both of you and this is not a new story to y'all because this has happened many years ago and you've got a lot of life together but just um knowing prayers have been prayed mom i mean you know through eight years of not knowing if Alicia is living or not living, not knowing where she is, totally trusting God and is, you know, messy, beautiful, probably some days great, some days not so great. And then Alicia for your, those prayers that were answered within a week were prayers that had been accumulating over mm -hmm. eight years of your parents praying and your sister probably 
faithfully too during all of those times. And then you, God just pouring out mercy on top of mercy because you were finally where he could wrap you up in his arms. And what a, what a great way to, to say it, even talking about the blind that comes was blindness from your own hurt and your own, you know, just the, the hurt that you had in your heart was stopping the flow of love and provision that God had always had there for you. That's, that's just, that's powerful. Very powerful. Wow. And looking back, um, Alicia, is there anything that you could say, um, that your, that your parents did well, that you're like, you want to just encourage other parents and say, you know, no matter what your child is doing, like you're, this is good. You're doing, this is a good thing. Anything comes to your mind like that, that your parents did well prior to your leaving or even in all of your growing up, that kind of thing. When you think back. Oh, when I think back, they accepted me. Um, they were showing that they loved me whether it was an art desk that my dad built in my closet because I like to draw or uh, my mom showing up to every piano recital and sitting outside that house while I practiced for an hour and my sister practiced for another hour. And now as a mom, I know how much of a pain in the throat <laughs> that is. Um, just but I only had two kids. <laughs> You have a lot more than that to have to do all that with. <laughs> but just the fact that every interest, every hobby, whether it was bringing home a turtle or writing a fake newspaper, they embraced it. Um, they loved it. And that was me. They were, they were actually showing me that they accepted me, but, you know, the blind hurt thing. And then taking me to church and it was never, I mean, it was a, you get dressed on Sunday morning and you go to church, but it was never a, you better believe this or you're going to hell. Right. So they brought me to God, but they were able to leave me at his feet. They oh. never shoved him at me. Mm, and then when I came back, it still wasn't shoved at me. It was just a, well, you're here, we're going to take you as you are, just like we always have. Mm. They didn't demand that I get cleaned up. Like you were talking about praying and desperation. Um, I didn't have to come back at my best. Yeah. They just wanted me back. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I love how mm -hmm. God in your life worked. Like, um, Chris, one of the specific things you said you prayed was that all, all the time, every day that God would bring people into Alicia's life that would lead her back to him. Mm -hmm. And isn't it beautiful that the person God brought were, were her own daughters. Like mm. it was that daughter that mm -hmm. <laughs> she had, because in a world where there was no one that was going to do that, God mm -hmm. gave you that daughter who just your relationship with her as a mom mm -hmm. began to be that, um, that person God used to draw you back to himself. And I, and I love that that happened, Alicia, be, not because of how she, your daughter was treating you, but because of what was in you and the way you were loving your daughter mm. was a, such a, that's beautiful. And that, you know, I see that answered prayer where Chris didn't see anything. You didn't, you didn't even know this was going on, uh, you know, until for a while it began to kind of tiptoe back together. So Chris had, 
how did um when you look back did the enemy like taunt you guys with well if only you had done this or if you had done that (laughs) of course yes and there were days where you just went you know what what did i do wrong yeah we did the best we could but what did i do wrong yeah and again if i i think if i had not had a faith i would have lived there Mm. into complete defeat uh, because that's all I ever really wanted to do. I never planned a career and I certainly didn't plan to work at life. Well, I mean, those are just, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even still don't understand all that, except that was God's plan. But I just, and I failed at the, at what I thought was the only, was my main purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, if I had not had a faith, I could not have come to the point of saying, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. God believed that these two girls were to be our daughters. And for whatever reason, he thought we'd be the best parents for those two girls. I believe in his providence. I believe in his sovereignty. And so I had to come back to that. And I would say, God, I have no idea why you thought we could be the best parents, but that obviously is your plan. So I have to trust that whatever we've done will someday, maybe we'll see some of the fruit and we'll have a relationship with her again. And and to be honest, I look back now and I, I look at the relationship we have. I look at her own journey with the Lord and her own giftedness and how she uses that for the Lord and what she does it. I still stand in awe mm. uh, day after day of, I just, God is just so good. He's just so big. And it's, you know, and when you see him do these things, I knew he could do it. Right. I knew he could do it. I knew he could do, could bring her back. She could be alive. We could have a new relation. I knew he could do all those things. I never knew a hundred percent. That's what he was going to do until it happened. And, and looking back, I can see now every little step that led toward our, our coming back into a relationship and building and restoring a relationship but at the time, I didn't see it until it just sort of all blew up the day she called. And then all of a sudden, I saw these little steps of things that he had done to prepare us for that phone call. Um, you know, but I didn't know he was going to do it. Two weeks before she called, I was doing a retreat in California and I was on living through tough circumstances. <laughs> and I'd, ne- I'd never, I'd never, I'd been transparent about our journey all those years because delight had, my friend had been a, 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 a transparent with me and it helped me navigate this. And I wanted to do that for other moms. So I'd, people knew we, we had not seen our daughter in years. And, and that was a part of the story, even at this retreat. And I said something to them that I'd never said before and was not in my notes anywhere and had not planned to say, but it just, it came out of my mouth. And I said, if if I never see her this side of heaven, will I still tell you that he is good and he is faithful? Yeah. And I, yeah, there were tears in my eyes when I said it, but I said, yes, I am going to tell you that. And two weeks later she called, but, but I don't know if that had anything to do with the timing right. or what, but I believe that had she not called and we had never seen her, I would still be telling you today that he is good and he is faithful. Yeah. I just, I do not believe I would have changed my heart on that, but I cannot tell you how grateful I was. It was as though I gave it up finally and completely to him and said, okay, God, you're good no matter what you choose in this situation. And he gave us the joy of restoring um, our family. 
I love that. And having lots of kids to have for grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Instant grandkids. How fun is that? <laughs> yeah. And she only had one daughter at that time. Okay. Uh, and then she had the other two quickly, not far long after that. Um, and then she, she has remarried a man who had a lot. And so we, uh, yes, we have accumulated lots of littles <laughs> and they're not so little anymore, but... <laughs> Wow. And Alicia, that's pretty neat too, that for somebody who was played with the devil's lie, that you did not belong and you could not trust family for the Lord to give you such a large family that <laughs> you have all these children to pour into as a mother. And um, I mean, goodness, how beautiful is that? So tell us a little bit, once you reestablished, you know, your relationship with your parents and, um, and you're out of that, uh, that cycle of abuse. What was that journey like um, rebuilding even with the Lord? I, I'm hearing that you were rebuilding with the Lord as you're reconnecting with your family. But tell, talk to us a little bit about what your spiritual journey was like as you continued to heal from the abuse and all that you had gone through. You know that um, that that feeling you get when you walk into a dark room and all of a sudden you're expecting nothing but everybody you've ever loved yells surprise and gives you gifts. That oh. I didn't expect his his gifts and his love and his mercy and his grace. It was a surprise party. Um, and to this day, I'm, I'm not surprised anymore, yeah. but it, uh, it still moves me. Um, when I broke down and when he started answering every, and when I say every request, it wasn't just a help me do this. I made a list. Um, and one of my favorite parts of that list wasn't just my my husband that I have now, but I did things like I want a house and it has to have a fireplace and it has to have a gazebo and I want land for animals. And my next husband, I want him to be over six foot tall and he has to love kids down to the apple tree that I requested being in my brand new yard. God provided a every single thing that's great he cared he cared about everything and so when all that started happening I mean at first I'm just standing there like in the middle of the party going for me yeah are, are you sure like <laughs> it's it's Alicia right. um yeah I don't I don't have anything to give you back I kept thinking that it was like a reciprocal thing yeah and I was like, I have nothing, I have nothing. And then I, I'm not sure exactly what part of the journey this was because my life moves really fast now, uh -huh. but <laughs> I just did the, I'll give you whatever you want. Yeah. And, and the answer I heard back was just you. And so he started just using me in the weirdest ways. Mm -hmm. um, he never 
asked me to fix my humor or to fix my awkwardness. And somehow that's gotten me into a lot of places where I've been able to be his Hmm. and bring others to God. Um, I started doodling and he's like, all right, well, let's make that your ministry. (laughs) So I did that. And (laughs) I mean, it. And when we say doodling, I got messy. (laughs) When we say doodling, we don't mean what you, what I doodle. We're talking about the most amazing gift of art uh, you can imagine. And I've seen those doodles. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful ministry. But it's not me. (laughs) I love it. But it, it taught me. um, And we always, you know, the prodigal son is my favorite story because it's me and if we're all if all of us are honest it's all of us it is um it it wasn't just the kid that ran away and ate pig slop it's Mm -hmm. every single one of us that belong to him have been that prodigal at one point or the other and I think we you know in in church where we you know we're we sit nice and we read the scripture and we have those perfect prayers and we have that perfect 10% offering and stuff we we really feel like we have to be this united one person for God to take us back Mm -hmm. and he showed me that you know it's it's not Mm -hmm. um I didn't I didn't have a plan when I came back to my parents I just I didn't want my daughter to be alone and the the marriage that I was in at times had me feel like I wasn't going to be there and I wanted her to have someone other than him, someone who could love her, because I knew at that point that my parents had loved me, yeah. and so they would love her, and so um, he just, he answered everything, <laughs> That's great. and now I'm just, I'm his messy little person that's still enjoying the party because the party is going to happen this whole time that I'm here on earth. And then it's going to get bigger when I go to heaven. I love it. I love it, Alicia. Okay. So both of y'all like, let's, um, let's wrap this up really by sharing. um, What would you say? And Chris, I'll let you go first. And Alicia, I want you to go too. What would you say to the mother who may be in year four? And it's going to be eight years before that prayer is answered or four more. Mm. Um, Yeah. What would you say to her? Do not stop. Mm -hmm. Just do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. I've said that to so many parents Mm -hmm. and, you know, do whatever you have to do to tell God how you're feeling. Yeah but allow him to have control of everything. I mean, it's just the only way you can survive. I literally would put her Alicia in my hand on a daily basis, yeah. sometimes multiple times during the day right. and lift it up and go, she's yours. I know she's yours. I know she's yours. I know you love her. I mean, that was just my daily, you know, yeah. the way I had to do it. Um, remember that he loves your child more than you do. That was a, something I had to tell myself ongoing. Mm. Um, and because I knew he loved her so much, I knew he had control of wherever she was. And then, you know, tell your story. You know, if you keep it all in here, and, and I'm kind of one of those that I'm, I'm pretty transparent and I'm, I don't do 
uh, fake stuff well, as far as, you know, I just, I'm not a good actor. That's just not who I am. So it wasn't as hard for me, but I mean, I always shared my story. And of course, being on a platform across the country all those years, I was on a lot of platforms, but I had a whole lot of people praying for this kid. I want you to know that people I would never see again have prayed for my child. I didn't share a lot of the details because I never wanted to hinder her return. I was tried to be very careful, but I also couldn't hide. This is my life. This is my life. And yet in the middle of it, um, I went back to see my friend that had been such a mentor to me and someone had taken a picture of us. And I used to show that picture because I said, both of us are in our, are still in our story, but what do you see on our faces? Because it was this picture of joy between the two of us. And I thought, that's what Jesus can do for you. Yes. He can give you that kind of joy and peace when your life out here is just chaotic and and in turmoil and you don't know what it's going to turn out, how it's going to turn out. And, and I thought, and, and when I got that picture, I wept because I thought that's who Jesus is. Yeah. That on our faces, you can see what he does in the middle of the greatest pains in your life. And, and have there been any since this? Of course, we're in the middle of one right now with, you know, my son-in-law's stroke. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're, we're in another one right now. But you know right. what? I remember back to what he's done yeah. through all the things that have come before us. <laughs> and I can't help but, but walk overall in that peace that he gives in the middle of it. That's good. Good word. Alicia, what would you say to that mom who like now as the answer to prayer, like you're the living, breathing, beautiful example of what only God can do. (laughs) What would you say to that mom that might be in year four? And it's going to be a long time before God answers her prayer. Pray for the Jesus that meets people in desolate places. Mm. As much as you don't want your child to suffer, it's going to take that. Mm. Because they have to get to a point where their only choice is to look at the seeds that have planted, to feel the prayers that are being prayed, and to finally reach out to the God that loved them the whole time. Yes. Um, don't ever stop. When I came back, I got friended and have met people who prayed for me during that time. Mm. And I may not know them, but I, I know them. Yeah. I know their words and just, I mean, never stop. It's going to happen at the weirdest time because it wasn't your plan anyways it was it was god's party you're just going to get to show up Mm -hmm. and just when that when that kid comes back when that adult comes back um god will do the work Mm -hmm. of restoring them and redeeming them you just be there that's Mm -hmm. good that's good that's a good word can I, can I end uh, or follow up uh-huh. with what she just said? Because when she first called us and we knew she was, we were going to meet that Saturday, 
I have to say, I was still a little skeptical. I, I wasn't sure what she, what she was wanting from this. Did she just need help or was she, I didn't know. And I, I thought, I said, Lord, we got to go back through history and walk through everything we've been through and get it worked out together us with her you know we just we've got to talk through all of it and get it all fixed and and say here's why this happened and here's what and when I was leaving my office that Friday before we were going to see her the next day a friend she used to be a support staff for us that I had prayed for Alicia for many many years Mm -hmm. happened to be in the elevator with me going down I didn't work with her anymore but she still worked at Lifeway and she looked at me and I told her I said oh you're not going to believe this but guess who we're going to see tomorrow and she said, oh my gosh, just love her. Just love her. And I thought, oh, well, that was a sweet thing to say, but what does that mean? And I went home and the next morning I was reading a, a devotion that morning. I think it was Journey Magazine demo- devotion. I, don't, I couldn't tell you now what it said, but all I know is that devotion, because I still was kind of like, I don't know how to do this, Lord. I don't know how to start this, this, this relationship with her. I don't know what this is supposed to look like. And it scares me a little bit, but I want to do it. But, and that devotion said the exact same thing. And I went, oh, so God, you're saying I don't have to walk through all those. We don't have to walk through everything to get started on this relationship. We don't have to fix all that to start this relationship again. And it was like this million pound burden left my shoulders instantly saying, all I'm asking you to do, I didn't ask you to fix it. I'm asking you, can you just love her? Wow. And I went, yeah. Yeah, that I can do. I can do that. And it was, and it was scary on my part of, I'm going to have to explain everything Yeah. when I come back and I'm going to have to grovel and I'm going to have to beg. And I was willing, but to not have to do that mm-hmm. and to let God just fix the things that needed to be fixed in his time, in his way. Mm-hmm. I believe from my side, especially since I'm this abandonment rejection expert, <laughs> that I was, I was given an open door with no no rules no just welcome back to the house yeah and I was able to heal and and of course we've been over all of it by now (laughs) and it was it was a journey so it it didn't but right but it started instantly which I wasn't sure it could happen and yeah and God kind of timed it and paced it and and was there to help y'all unpack Mm -hmm. every bit of it every step of the way that's so I see why the prodigal story is your favorite Alicia Mm -hmm. because I'm like hearing kill the fatted calf that's what I'm hearing right now you know let's have a party because she's home I have to tell you the day before on that same Friday that I was walking downstairs that morning our chapel service was Liz Uh Curtis Higgs guess what story she taught on the prodigal you see, this is the hindsight now, and I've written it all down because there were so many things like this yeah, I love that it. prepared for this, this reconnection yeah. that, yeah, you I couldn't you. ignore that God was doing something. <laughs> oh, and I love it because I always, when you look back, you can see and connect the dots and yeah. see his hand meticulously and methodically working every little thing together for good. So good. So good. Well, thank you both. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful story. And what an encouragement, I think, for so many people who 
are listening. Alicia, I want to ask you one last question because you come from the perspective of the one who was gone and is now home. Do you have anything, any other thing you'd love to say to somebody who may be where you were and may be wondering themselves about how they can get back home? If you know the address, if you know the phone number, home is already there. Oh. You don't, you don't have to search for it. Um, just go, just go back. God's going to figure it out as soon as you walk through the door and he's going to fix it. And you may have, I had a sibling who was that proud sibling of, I've always been there. I've always been good. How dare she come back? <laughs> yep. And those are some relationships that you may face, but it'll work out. I love it. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, um, Chris, would you mind closing us out just praying and praying Absolutely. for any mom listening that may be um, not to the end of her story yet? Mm. But um, this has been so encouraging. Thank you both. So much. Thank you, Leanne. I just want to thank you for allowing us to tell our story. You're uh, we've not done it like this ever, like this. Oh, uh, and, and to be at this place in our story, yeah. um, I cannot tell you when you rehearse God's faithfulness, what it does for your faith. Yeah, so much so. so well, I know very grateful. It's like, sky high now having heard <laughs> you and i know that god will use it in that way so thank yeah. you both so much and chris yeah. would you just close us out in sure. prayer oh father we just come to you because you are our father uh, just as alicia has talked about god you are the one who loves us more than any person on earth ever could and we know that when you allow our lives lord to be walked out in your uh, providence in your sovereignty, God, that you promise us you will bring glory to yourself and good into our story. And Father, I thank you that you, Lord, have given even Alicia and myself this, this opportunity to just be reminded of how good you are. Mm -hmm. And Lord, for those who are listening, Lord, for those who are in the middle of the pain of a story that uh, may be similar or could be something even so much worse than what I could ever anticipate, God. I pray that you will show them who you are, that you will put people in their lives who will show them sh who, they, who you are to them, who will maybe be those who have walked similar stories before them that will encourage them along the way, just as my friend did for me. Lord, I pray that when there is nothing else that these uh, moms uh, and children or whoever's listening can do in, a, in their story, God, that they will be willing to open their hands and submit their story to you, Lord. I pray they won't give up. I pray that you'll show them over and over again, Lord, as they walk with you, as they read your word, Lord, to it, be encouraged about who you are, Father, that you will just surround them with peace and comfort and strength that is, is supernatural and they know without a doubt it is you and only you that will, will see them through and be faithful to them no matter what. So I pray for peace and comfort. I pray for restoration for broken relationships. I pray for hope, Lord, in the wait that only you can provide. And we love you, Lord. We thank you so much that you are who you say you are. And we love you and we want to be used by you to bring glory to your name. And we pray this 
in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, take a minute to give us a rating, subscribe if you haven't already, and please share this with a friend. There's no doubt that you know someone who could use the encouragement that we've shared today. I'm Leanne McCoy, founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry, and I'm on a mission to mobilize our churches to pray. Don't forget that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. Check out the show notes for today's episode to um, get access to any of the links connected to our guest or uh, connected with the prayer clinic ministry. I look forward to being with you next time. Keep on praying, my praying people.